Konnichiwa. Welcome to the Stronger Medicine podcast. My name is Julian Donovan and I'm a medical doctor working in the NHS in the UK. I have an interest in exploring the ways to stay out of the healthcare system for as long as possible and also how to thrive as best as possible. So today is episode number two. I have been speaking with a couple from Boston in the States, Dr. Rhonda Rocket and Dr. Sean Rocket. Now, Rhonda was a primary care physician for 12 years before she decided to transition full-time into becoming a CrossFit coach. She has her own box called CrossFit Launchpad and has made that decision feeling that she has a bigger impact on people from that particular role. Her husband, Dr. Sean Rocket, is an orthopedic surgeon. He's still in medical practice. He has his own busy orthopedic clinic in Boston. He treats a lot of CrossFit athletes, and he's actually the head of the orthopedic team for the CrossFit Games. He's been doing that since 2012. And the reason I wanted to speak to these guys was to see how has CrossFit impacted upon their clinical practice? And of course, why did Rhonda decide to leave medicine to become a full-time CrossFit coach? So (laughs) I'll just warn you in advance, as the guys warned me before we started recording, they were gracious enough to have a chat with me while they were on vacation from a holiday home. There's a little bit of construction going on in the background and we're joined by one of their lovely little uh, dogs halfway through. But I, I got a lot out of speaking to these guys and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So without further ado, let's get right into the conversation. Welcome to the Stronger Medicine Podcast. This is episode number two, and I have the distinct privilege of being joined by Dr. Sean Rocket and Dr. Rhonda Rocket, who are both uh, physicians of different specialities. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Excellent. Okay. Thanks for having us. Hey, thank you very much for taking the time out to speak to me. So the reason I wanted to get in touch with you guys, I am working in the healthcare system in the UK. And something that I'm really interested in is how people are keeping patients and kind of the regular Joes out of the healthcare system. And then on top of that, how people are thriving and and staying out as well. So you both struck me as people who are really actually putting that into practice in quite a unique way, which I haven't really seen much of over here. So to begin with, I understand you both met at Harvard University, is that correct? That's true. Oh, we did. Okay, 1985. cool. 1985. Okay. And were you studying to be doctors at the time? Was that your thought at the time, your direction? I was, uh, I was pre-med, sort of from the get-go, doing biology, and um, sort of kept, went along a regular, regular track of uh, pre-med studies and, and then applied to med school and got into med school and sort of went straight through Rhonda had a little different different background I uh, ended up maybe four or five years after college that I decided to uh, do the prerequisites for medical school and then become a doctor yeah I forget that you have it decoupled in in the states but we just make the silly mistake at the age of 18 of just thinking I'll just do medicine and then hoping for the best it's probably better that you have the chance to (laughs) figure something out beforehand yeah we we could uh, you know we could experiment and do other things and and uh and try different different things yeah i worked in a law office for a little bit to see see if i like that and and i didn't (laughs) (laughs) fair enough (laughs) so what just to be clear um what are your specialities i understand Rhonda, you might not be in practice now but um kind of what did you both specialize in Sure. Um, so I went into family medicine as I went to rotations. I loved everything, um, except surgery. I didn't love surgery and then, um, chose family medicine. I thought that people in that rotation were the most warm and friendly, um, at least in my experience at that time. And so that's uh, primary care for kids and adults. And, um, so that's what I did. I practiced for 12 years and now I'm a full-time CrossFit coach. We have a CrossFit gym and, uh, and I love it. And I do orthopedic surgery with some sports medicine focus and joint replacement focus. And it was really the sports medicine aspect that got me involved. I, you know, grew up playing sports, loved sports, got hurt a bunch, and uh, 
and just identified with the group of orthopedic surgeons who I met. And, uh, you know, I think it's just you're you're drawn to the people who are most like you, it seems like, and, and uh, who you feel most comfortable with. So one of you is in primary care, the other's in a very specific secondary care speciality. You've got bases pretty much covered there. Um, the the obvious question is, what happened to get you both into the world of CrossFit? She started. Yeah, so <laughs> I was working out at at the health club down the street, and um, there was a step aerobics instructor named uh, who's now named Heather Bergeron, and um, I just loved her class and I loved her energy loved her positive attitude. We started emailing and staying connected. And then she, um, and her then boyfriend, uh, who was Ben Bergeron decided to open up a CrossFit gym. And, um, so we joined them and then she had something called, um, boot bucks. It was a little like gift certificate that I could buy. And I gave it to Sean as a Christmas gift. Yeah. And so that's how he first tried her classes. And, so I think you know, I was a swimmer in college, and I think for both of us, CrossFit is really good for people who have been varsity athletes in their previous life, and they're looking for that competitive thing. And, um, you know, even when I was doing step aerobics, it was like I was trying to make it a competitive sport, but it wasn't. And then when we realized sort of the excitement of CrossFit and the competition, it really, um, it just felt awesome. So we both got into it, and that was about 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Yeah. I had been... Uh going to the local health club and, and sitting on a stationary bike and trying to figure out ways to do upper body and legs at the same time. And so I ended up doing stationary bike with Bicep biceps curls, curls and, and I was doing push presses with biceps and people were still looking at me kind of funny, but I was, <sighs> I was just getting bored with it. I'd, uh, I had, you know, been competitive in sports and, uh, and I was just looking for something different. I had, I had played basketball and uh, soccer pickup leagues and i got a little frightened off by it because i got some young guys come and came and try to take me out and i was like oh you know if i blow out my knee if i blow out my acl if i dislocate my shoulder like that's so i found like crossfit i could be in control of my own workout and no one else could you know <laughs> could try to push me or you know i was getting a little worried you know it was getting chippy some of these guys in the soccer league we were getting chippy so i was like i think i gotta make this i think i gotta make a shift here yeah i have to say that after he had been doing cross for a while he went back and joined um a couple of soccer games and i remember the guys were like what what are you eating for breakfast because he was so much stronger and fitter um and he just didn't get winded he'd just be running back and forth on the field yeah. and uh-huh. um just had more stamina and than. also I wasn't getting knocked off the ball I remember like feeling feeling the ability to like defend myself like I could I could actually not get knocked off the ball by somebody it was uh it was it was interesting and basketball too the same sort of feeling yeah good transferability yeah. there then um, yeah <laughs> and then for us I mean the community is, is huge I think that's part of the magic of CrossFit and, and the magic of why it works for lifestyle changes and um and disease prevention is because once you're in a community of people working out together and then you all get this endorphin high together um it creates incredible bonds and um that's really the groundwork for lifestyle changes um and i don't know if this is what you want to talk about now but i have a whole lot to say about that (laughs) and the other part is ronda was talking about the competitive nature I think that can draw some people in, but that also can be a detriment. So you got to be careful when you're starting to talk about competition and lifting weights and cha- Go, chasing other people. Going prescribed so that can when be, it's not that right. Can be, yeah. right. That can be the, a, a downside to it. So you got to be, it might suck, it might draw people in, but eventually they got to realize, you know, you got to be happy with yourself and not try to chase other people. I've not actually heard that downside of CrossFit ever said so that's really interesting that you say that because i suppose i've, by, seen, <laughs> I've seen it in the office a lot yeah. I, re- <laughs> I suppose by its nature it's quite self-selecting um in a way because it's as you mentioned you've got this right. community and there's very like-minded people and it's well by its very name sort of high intensity um functional movements and that sort of thing so i suppose for people who don't quite gel with that 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 might be a bit of an issue yeah 
so I suppose one of the very interesting things to is if it's okay to begin with you, Rhonda, is the fact that you practiced for twelve is was it twelve years, sorry, in primary care. Twelve years. Yeah. Yes. And you'd been obviously into CrossFit for a while while you were doing that. How did you how did that affect your practice uh, when you were working as a GP or primary care physician? A lot. Um, I was learning things from my coach um, at CrossFit, and I found the health advice, uh, the nutrition advice to be really effective. And so I would use some of that. I found myself saying the same words to my patients in the office. And I sometimes uh, demonstrated movements in the exam room, <laughs> and I would write out little workouts for my patients. And I would, you know, I wanted them to be in a CrossFit community because I knew that was the easiest way, the, the best way to guarantee their success in some of these lifestyle changes that we talked about. Um, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't make everybody join a CrossFit gym. So I would write out workouts and I would write out the prescribed diet, um, things that I learned from CrossFit. And some of my patients had tremendous success, you know, and they came back and they were like, oh my God, things like, um, ulcerative colitis, colitis symptoms gone in two weeks and was that from the the prescriptions you gave for like the movements or was that diet or just a combination of all of that uh diet dietary changes okay so i i, I suggest my sort of routine speech is eat meat vegetables nuts seeds eggs fruit and water and avoid uh bread rice pasta potato corn beans dairy sugar High fructose corn syrup, artificial color, flavor, sweetener, and preservative. Okay. <laughs> I've said that a lot of times. That time. is well rehearsed, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when, pe when people uh, adopt a diet based in, um, you know, real food, uh, stuff that's not man-made in a factory, um, things that occur in nature and are not, um, you know, chemical uh, in, in their uh, makeup, a lot of weird symptoms go away. So mm. it's pretty easy to see. Once you've started that lifestyle, it's easy to see that it's that's the way we're meant to eat. And just to zoom out for a second on the conditions that you're working in as a primary care physician, because in, in the UK, I'm basically doing a four-month rotation in primary care at the moment, and I get sort of double the amount of time that the average GP gets here because I'm such a noob at medicine. Um, but when you were working, how much time would you have with a patient? Is it 10 minute appointments or uh, like how, how much could you spend with a patient? Yeah, it's about 10 minutes. Um, probably a new patient, you know, you'd book longer 20 or so to get more of the family history and their own medical history. But I'd say it's very typical to have 10 minutes. Okay. Um, I was always behind. I was always taking extra time. Um, the patient in the room loved it. The patient in the waiting room didn't. Um, but that was just the nature of it. I, um, yeah, so not a lot of time, but we could sometimes see people, you could bring them back in a week or two or three weeks. So that was kind of the way I had those, um, you know, brief touch points with people. But um, obviously, as a CrossFit coach, now I can see my people more like five days a week. I recommend a rest day after three intense days. Um, so I'm seeing people for five hours a week instead of 10 minutes every couple of weeks. Hmm. So Big I think difference. it's a much plus the community the community that we create changes everything um now my members are um texting each other sharing recipes um the coaches we're emailing people about things with links everybody's sharing links to articles and podcasts and books and movies so it's become much more of a lifestyle whereas i don't think anybody would say yeah going to my doctor is a lifestyle you know mm. um but really living community can be have you since leaving had any thoughts or seen any examples of how people may have been able to incorporate some of the things that you're now able to do um, more efficiently with your clients but in the medical setting because that sounds like such a challenge with the 10 minutes I wonder if there's been any sort of things that you thought oh if I could have done that or if anybody else has come up with innovative ways to to have more of an impact on people's lifestyles um no okay. but um certainly there there are more and more physicians both in this country and worldwide that are incorporating crossfit into their medical practices so um and, and i guess it doesn't have to be the brand crossfit but if you can create a community of people 
who are really in touch on a daily basis um, and developing a lifestyle. Um, that would be, no, I haven't seen it done and mm. anywhere else besides CrossFit. But when I often think about, we have these diabetes educators and so people can go to a meeting. It could be um, weekly or monthly and everybody in the room has the same goal of lowering their blood sugar. And so they can be a support to one another. The huge difference in what I'm doing is we have loud music. Mm-hmm. We have endorphin high. I mean, the, the, the rush that you get after a workout, you just can't deny that. I mean, people who are sort of addicted to exercise do it because it makes them feel awesome. And I used to run marathons and my best friend in a given year was always the person I was training with because that's who you're side by side with when you get that awesome feeling. It's almost like Cupid's arrow, you know? Um, so there's the endorphin high, the loud music, and then this skill and sport. So you're constantly learning new things and developing new skills. Um, and then it becomes fun, whether you're competing against other people or just against yourself. Um, so all of that, I haven't seen that in any kind of a medical model. Um, but I think there's no reason why the medical and the sort of community based workout, um, worlds can't be more um, connected. I think that's a great model to combine this. Yeah, well, I have a lot of uh, colleagues that we've met at, um, just throughout the years who have uh, started gyms, started their own gyms also, um, and, and they're part of the gym, uh, part owners, uh, but they're not, uh, you know, they're not seeing, you know, patients in the gym, you know, they're, but they're, they, they will recommend their gym you know, uh, to, to patients and, and things like that. Yeah. So they can refer sort of, would it be like down the corridor? Oh, I'll just write this prescri- prescription up for heavy back squats. Why don't you just go down the corridor? Some people are having, uh, yeah, some people worldwide are, are having their offices in the same facility as a gym. Yeah. So uh, I've heard of that where the, they're, they're starting primary care offices in warehouses or places that that have a gym affiliated with it yeah well and so how's things with crossfit affected uh, your practice sean like if you have patients coming in is there anything from from that background of crossfit which makes you slightly unique to your colleagues would you say yeah definitely i um you know so number one is i'm, I'm on the crossfit games medical team uh so a lot of the a lot of the elite athletes you know, know of me and, and will send people to me. And then locally people know that I'm the, the you know, on the medical team for the, for the CrossFit games. And so locally I'll see the CrossFit local people, you know, because they, they like to come, they feel reassured that I know what they're doing, that I won't judge them and be critical of them. I will help them and I will point out if they're doing something that I don't think is right. Uh, Coaching locally is very good. The coaches are on top of things. If people are having issues, they'll they'll tell them to back down, or they'll have them, you know, refer to a medical doctor. But um, from my point of view, patients like it because they don't have to explain what a squat is, what a clean and jerk is, what a deadlift is. Hmm. They they know, you know, what you know. I can tell what you know their workouts have been. I can tell where where they're hurting. There are certain things that I see, like handstand walks. I see like like that i've seen terry's major tendonitis where no i've never seen that in any other sport tell the listeners where the terry's major so, is. Ter- yeah, terry's major tendonitis so and i and i look and people are doing handstand walks and they're using their upper body as their quads and so i've seen you know scapular pain tenderness along the the terry's major right i think if a regular person went to a regular doctor they'd be like well I don't, you know you got something going on there <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I've seen the, the handstand walks, I've seen what the muscles are incorporated and pretty much your, your rotator cuff acts as your quadriceps and your hamstrings when you're doing a handstand walk. Oh. So um, stuff like that little, you know, and just over the years, seeing everything at the games and seeing everything locally and local competitions and seeing a lot of people referred within the community, I've sort of seen things that other doctors might not register, uh, you know, when they hear somebody talk about what they're doing. That's very cool. So you you basically you have your own sub niche within your speciality. Um, aside from the CrossFit athletes that seek you out, 
if, for example, you had um, Doris who came in with some uh, pain in the knee, maybe some osteoarthritis, and yeah. uh, first presentation, would there be anything that you might think of slightly differently or would there be anything about CrossFit and the, your, your background there that would influence the management with her? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, so I, you know, I will, I won't say, Oh, you need to go do CrossFit. I will, I will ask her about what her exercise regimen is and, you know, is, is weight, weight an issue for this person? And are they, you know, are they obese? And I'll talk, I'll talk diet and, uh, and, you know, you know, a lot of people will admit they are nighttime eaters and they're binge eaters and they'll, they'll sort of, you know, they come to the orthopedic surgeon and, and they might not be, you know, be expected to hear an orthopedic surgeon talk about, well, what's your, what's your diet like? What are you eating? Um, and, you know, the, a lot of people will finally, like, they'll break down and cry and they'll, you know, they'll admit they, they eat, you know, a, a gallon of ice cream at night or they'll eat a whole plate of cookies, uh, you know, at night and they, you know, for comfort. And, uh, and I'll just say, well, you know, maybe we could work on that and try to eliminate, you know, or decrease the amount or, you know, go down to a quart or, you know, take steps to get away from a gallon of ice cream at night. You know, that's probably not, not a great thing for your knee, you know, for your knees. But then I'll talk about, you know, strengthening and, and strengthening is always important for arthritis, uh, you know, range of motion exercises and strengthening and all talk about you know if, if somebody is squatting and they have pain with arthritis not to maybe don't go up down all the way if it hurts to go down all the way but you know do a squat to a box or you know for for the general person coming I'll, I'll talk about you know general exercises and, and therapy is usually the first step for somebody with arthritis i got an idea um so it seems like society is always trying to come up with ways to help people as they age so that they don't have to do certain things like the chair that you press a button and it's sort of gradually tilts you forward until you're, you know, until you're almost standing and then you just get up at the last minute. So that's great. If you don't ever, ever, ever plan to stand up on your own again out of a chair, but if you do hope to, then that's not going to help anything because that's just going to atrophy the muscles that we use for standing. So I think that that perspective, um, is in our blood now. And, you know, I'm not going to recommend someone never get up from a lower place. I'm going to have them do it with some assistance, maybe holding my hands gradually and then little by little use less and less assistance. So I have an 80 year old athlete right now that I'm training and, um, we literally have her get down on the ground and get back up again. You know, we talk about how to get that done. And, um, she has done it at this point. She's done it once without any assistance whatsoever. Mm. But over the last few weeks, she would have a box, like a 12-inch um, plyo box, and use that to get up gradually. Um, and sometimes we'll talk about, like, okay, let's roll to this side. Like, I think a nurse, you know, they're they're trained in how to help patients maneuver. Um, so, yeah, I think that changes our that sort of a deep kind of perspective that we're not going to say. I remember Sean always would talk about, if a patient goes into the doctor, it hurts when I do this, you know, don't do this. Well, that's really not our approach. Our approach is let's find a way to help you do that, um, whether it takes weeks or months to get certain muscles back to strength strong. Um, but don't do not do that because then you'll never do that. So. Yeah. I've heard about people talking um, about this, sort of the, the, the concept of a, a dose response threshold. And especially with older people, being afraid to load their bodies or stress them and so you come up with this idea that actually they need to be protected and and don't challenge them too much because they'll be frail and easily injured but once you hit that proper dose threshold then you get a response which is robust and adaptive and you both seem to be in that unique position of being able to do that but i, I imagine a lot of other doctors would just wouldn't have the confidence to say oh go and do squats or, or load your body in some way if you had arthritis or things. Um. Yeah. One of the, you know, one of the determinants of your mortality is your ability to get yourself up off the ground. They've done that study and they've found when somebody loses that ability that their, their mortality increases. <laughs> well, um, and we always talk about, um, you know, what keeps people out of the nursing home. You need to be able to get up off the toilet by yourself, pick up um, a bag of groceries, which is a deadlift and uh walk across the room 
take care of, you know, your activities of daily living. And those activities are really what functional movement and functional workouts are all about. Um, I was just wondering if you've had any, because with that in mind, any contraindications or any people that you've had to uh, maybe not turn away, but really be kept cautious with, or, you know, are there any people who just don't fit that model where they can join in? Um, I, I can certainly work with anyone at any level. Um, so coach Glassman, who's the founder of CrossFit, um, I shared a story with him about a, a client of mine who she came to a couple classes and she said, you know, it's just not for me. I don't like not being able to breathe. <laughs> and most really competitive athletes are every time they work out, they're looking for that. I can barely breathe. I think I'm going to throw up and <laughs> that kind of um, <laughs> stimulus. And so I talked with, talked with uh, Coach Glassman about her and he said, you know what, go for a walk with her and watch a video on your phone about, you know, nutrition or positive thinking or whatever. Um, so he was really reminding me to just like dial it back to wherever she's at. Um, as I mentioned, I've got this 80 year old athlete. Uh, we've got another guy in his seventies, um, Dick, who, you know, he doesn't squat below parallel all the time, but we're okay with that. You know, little by little, we're trying to increase our mobility and, um, each of them and, and the lady with the shortest of breath, she's back. Um, and it was, you know, it's deconditioning. It's, it's not cardiovascular disease. <laughs> Obviously that would take us on a different path, but, um, we can work, we really can work with anyone. You know, I, I also had a guy, um, over 400 pounds who came, uh, for, and we decided we would go with some privates because I thought that was more appropriate, um, given our space and our community. And he was, he wanted that as well. Unfortunately, he didn't come back after the first day. Um, he did, he was very short of breath and lightheaded and, and did not like the feeling and who knows what other kinds of issues were there. But I, I really think, um, with the right coach who has the right, both medical, not necessarily MD, but some sort of medical background and really good CrossFit, um, like technique, um, skills and how to coach those things and then of course there's the personality you know you can't like sean mentioned you can't ask everybody to do the rx weight it's not appropriate and people are going to get hurt and and um, they'll be disheartened as well so i think it's possible for pretty much anybody well so they have to work with their doctors too you know their doctors have to be able to tell them yes it's okay to exercise if in fact it is okay you know for them to exercise we have uh, some cardiologists in our in our group uh, sports cardiologists and they've talked about the, the, the ability to be able to reverse uh, coronary disease from exercise like to to make you know make yourself stronger and and have better you know quality of life with exercise even if you have coronary disease but obviously you got to be you know we have to stick by the books make sure their doctors say it's okay um, you know to do exercise. And while we're talking about the breath, I mean, as you know, and Sean knows, there's a uh, potential cardiovascular cause for some shortness of breath. So I have had a couple of people that I've said, um, I need you to make an appointment with your doctor and I need you to get um, some initial workup done before you come back to class. Um, Because I just want to know that it's not something cardiac. Whether it's a stress test or, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So... In that situation, I feel more comfortable because I don't want to push someone and have something bad happen. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, you're not able to sort of do blood work in, in your box? Um, so we do have some friends that, that have a lab uh, business where you can actually have a kit come to your home or to your gym and they can do some uh, labs for like 50 bucks. Warrior lab, I think. Uh, Warrior clinic. Warrior clinic. Yeah. And um, it's things to work with your doctor, you know, to, to test. Yeah. And then I, um, encourage people to share their blood work with me and then we can talk about, so we have a guy, a 74 year old guy I mentioned, he, um, he's on medication for cholesterol and he showed me a graph of his cholesterol going down ever so slowly, but absolutely consistently over about four months. And I looked back in his membership record and saw that the beginning of the change in the direction of that cholesterol was when he came and joined CrossFit Launchpad, where I'm the coach and the owner. And, um, you know, we talked about 
how to eat. <laughs> and he did it. That's pretty much, that's, so re- that's then unbelievable. His doctor the- mm. Yeah, so wow. he was able to lower. So I didn't order those labs, but I'm happy to share in them. Um, we have uh, lots of people who are doing body fat measurements, which is far more important than what your body weight is. And that's really amazing. Um, anybody who's following the program and doing what we ask them to do is losing body fat and gaining muscle. And that is, there's no question that's going to help people stay out of the nursing home and have, you know, high functioning lives long into their 80s, 70s, Mm. 80s, and 90s. So you, 12 years, primary care, started to feel frustrated. You just didn't have the time to really engage with these patients that you had. Because the thing that I'm thinking about at the moment is in primary care, you have a high density of patients. Every 10 minutes, you've got somebody coming um, and you, I guess you had some uh, number of thousands under your care, like maybe one or two thousand or something. Um, so you have access to quite a lot of people. Is there a trade-off, do you think, between the ability to just churn through this number of people and perhaps every now and again you, you just you know hit a nerve with somebody and then they go off and they, they change themselves versus having maybe a smaller cohort that you can have a longer period of time with and admittedly go a bit deeper with? Is there... Have you found that there's any trade-off there or do you think actually what you've done is definitely, you know, miles ahead, a better option? Um, yeah, you put it very eloquently. I never thought of it that way. Um, I think that what I'm doing now is much more of a, of a deep and sustainable change for those people. So, yeah, I've got about 50 people that I really see on a regular basis and um, I love what's happening you know, with the community, the way they affect one another. That's something I couldn't do in the office because it was one-on-one. It's true. I won't be able to affect 2,000 people, although many of these folks are sharing their stories on Facebook with family and friends. And then those folks are possibly making some of the changes as well. So I may not see them, but... um, The other piece is it's just more fun for me, you know, it's not all altruistic. <laughs> Excellent. What I'm doing is really fun versus what I did before. I love the relationships and the one-on-one uh, longitudinal relationships, but this is a better match for me and my personality and my skill set. So can't say one's better than the other, but this is what, this is what feels good to me. Fantastic. So it just gels with your personality more. And, um, so in terms of the box itself, because I've watched the video, uh, I think did Greg Glassman come around to your house and film with you guys? Yeah. It's a fantastic video. It's really well made. Yeah, he's, um, <laughs> one, of, one of the guys called up yeah. and said, Greg, Greg wants to see your gem. And I said, Greg who? <laughs> <laughs> said, Greg oh, just this guy, Greg. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> So, sort of, what's the clientele like there? Do you have a, a kind of specific demographic or is it just a complete mix? Because I think I recall you mentioning that you were training, was it uh, some neighbors' kids or something in the beginning? And then it kind of just spread from there, kind of grew. Uh, yeah. So, it started off with um, my friend Denise. She and I were watching our boys play basketball. Uh, five almost five years ago and she said you got to do something for the girls she knew i was in crossfit she said you got to do a program for the girls were in fifth grade at the time and so we started off with fit girls a couple days a week the girls would walk from school over to my house we i provided them with a nutritious snack we would talk about sort of sisterhood putting one another up positive thinking setting goals that kind of stuff and then we would get after it and have a little workout and those like five or six girls and we had a great time. And then there was a boy down the street who wanted to join. And then there was some moms and the mom said, Hey, we should have fit cougars. Yeah. And so little by little, we realized we'll just hmm. do this thing called rock fit. And it was for everybody. And then when glass coach Glassman got involved, we affiliated um, and became a real CrossFit gym. And so uh, the name rock fit was already taken. And uh, you know, you have to sort of petition to get uh, an acceptable name for become a CrossFit gym. So CrossFit Launchpad has really worked out well for us because I'd say our demographic is, um, well, first of all, we have all ages. So our youngest is eight. Our oldest is 
our oldest in the group classes is 74 because um, Marsha and I are doing some uh, one-on-one stuff now. She's the 80-year-old lady. So anyway, we go from like 8 to 74. We have male, female. Um, we have, you know, it's a, mostly like a suburban community kind of folk, but um, we do have a few people coming from outside of our neighborhood. And um, everybody is positive thinking. Um, we have a three burpee penalty for negative, uh, self or other kind of talk. <laughs> um, Savage. But, but I'd say almost everyone is brand new to CrossFit. You know, we call them CrossFit virgins. So we have an on-ramp where, um, you know, it's pretty usually me. I teach the skills over, uh, several sessions a week or a week and a half. And then we bring them into the class and, um, yeah, so Launchpad actually is a great name for us because it's almost all people who are new to these barbell movements. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you've you've mentioned about um, one of your clients who's been able to increase her ability to get up off the floor, which that sounds like such a good... I don't know what the workout name would be for that, but if it's directly correlated with mortality, there must be some killer name to put to that. Just get up off the floor and you'll live longer. <laughs> Um, but apart from her, get up being... or don't. Get up or don't. Yeah, get up or die or something. Or I don't die. know. <laughs> apart from her, have there been any other sort of uh, people that have stood out? You did mention somebody with, I don't know if it was rheumatoid, but some form of yeah, arthritis who'd come off their medications yep. uh, through the diet. I yeah. Believe. yeah. Yeah. Any others like with them um, or anybody else? Sort of clinical yeah. So stuff? we have three members with rheumatoid arthritis who have had great success um, on this diet. They've been able to cut down on their medications. And um, uh, Dick also shared with me some biomarker um, that they measured, and that number actually went down while he was with us. And um, tons of body fat going down, uh, cholesterol, blood pressure. Um, it's it's so easy to measure like someone who'd never done a pull-up before. Uh, Kristen just got her first pull up this week with no band, no assistance whatsoever. Like that's huge. So, um, the other part is the self-esteem, Yeah, you know, they, um, you know, I just see that people's, they just change. Like I'll, I'll come home and I'll see the gym and I'll see, I'll, I'll walk past them and I'll just see these timid people, scared, nervous people after two months are like crushing workouts and, and, you know, saying what's next, what's next? What else can we do? And, What's next, and coach? And it's just a, it's a, it's a, 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 just a broad change. It's amazing. So we have um, an accomplishment board, and when somebody does something really cool that they've never done before, we write their name and and the task that they completed. And so other people will come in later in the day or later in the week and be like, "Oh my God, so and so got their first, you know, double unders or whatever." And um, also, we use this Tribe app, which is our gym management software. And so everybody's recording their performance, their results after each workout. And that's really easy to see. I'm getting better. You know, whereas if you just went for a jog for 20 minutes, you have no way to know if you're actually making any impact or changing anything. Even if the the scale goes down, like we said before, that doesn't really matter. So you lost some some water weight, you know, or you might have even lost muscle. Who knows? Um, But we can see through your actual performance and tracking your results that you're getting stronger and fitter and faster Mm. so there's no no one's ever argued that getting a pull-up for your first time is somehow bad for you you know Mm. right because i guess the older person who's able to squat their body weight is just by proxy going to be in a better position biochemically and just uh, bone density from a sarcopenia perspective all these things compared to someone who can barely get up the, off the floor. So you don't, I guess you don't need to do huge amounts of like blood work to see, oh, this person's more healthy. It's just, oh, you can do a pull-up now. That'll do the yeah, job, yeah. Right. So you've got all these different – I mean, it sounds great that you have these metrics, though, and I suppose it, there's a positive feedback loop if someone sees, oh, my goodness, I'm no longer hypertensive or hypercholesterolemia or anything, then that sort of pushes them forward. Um, you've mentioned the community. It's, I'm just trying to pick out the ingredients that – is making this as making as much of a positive change in these people's lives as you're uh, illustrating to me. You've got the community aspect, obviously the biological, physical changes as well. Uh, Sean, you've mentioned self-esteem and maybe aspects of self-efficacy as well. 
coming and, together too. I've, I've heard of, you know, where else can, can kids and adults, you know, compete together, not compete, but, you know, just be together and work out together. Like it's, it's usually doesn't happen. You don't see that. So we had um, we had an event. Dads yeah. and sons and daughters and moms. And we had an event we called the Teen Smackdown, and <laughs> um, we set up teams um, of adults versus kids, and it was really cool. Actually, um, my three teenagers sounds brutal. My three teenagers <laughs> were absolutely certain they were going to crush it, um, which I guess they sort of did because they did heavier than RX weights and they did more difficult pull strict pull ups instead of jumping pull ups. But um, but there was a team of three men, like forty to fifty year olds, um, and they actually won the thing. And um, I just really like. I think kids need to see that old people can do stuff too, you know. And first of all, when I'm teaching the on ramp course, and I get up there and demonstrate the kipping pull ups or the strict pull ups, and kids are like looking at each other, rolling their eyes, you know. I love that because sometimes the kids are my kids' friends, and they should understand that old people can do stuff. So. Um, that's part of the community. Um, having that should be a slogan. Old oh, people can do stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, you know, we well, we laugh together. Um, we set goals together. We are learning stuff together. We have an occasional social where we'll go out um, to a, a nearby restaurant together. Um, we share each other's successes. So I'll send an email or, um, post somebody's picture on Facebook, you know, and maybe mention something about an accomplishment. So and people love to see themselves in you know, posted picture. <laughs> they love to see a picture of themselves. Oh yeah. Working out. Absolutely. Narcissism there. That's fine. That's okay. Um, and the big thing is the team workouts, you know, we, we don't do them all the time, but when you do a team workout and you're working together with somebody to get a certain amount of work done, like that's really cool. So that's, um, sometimes hard to find different sports and mm. snacks and we you know talk yeah. i think so we talk about snacks we you know Rhonda has uh, our friends fuel for fire she you know has that in the in the group and people are learning about eating and snacking and what's okay to snack on and you know. so people are changing the way they feed their children which is amazing um you know we talk about how sugar sweetened beverages really are not good for you even though some of the advertising would make you think that they're absolutely required you know to have a healthy athlete and um so then they're sharing recipes with each other you know and they're some of the athletes have gotten to be such good friends i recently thought that they had been friends for you know decades and found out no no no, they met through our gym because their kid they go on vacation together they bought a boat together like their kids are hanging out together and this is the best um so little chase who i just adore Mm. she's Mm. like i don't know nine or ten um she goes to overnight camp and we sent her her mom sent a um what do you call it? A kit? Um, a, Overnight. Yeah, like uh, a, a gift care package, package. A care, care package. package. And, um, and we included some fuel for fire in it, which is a squeeze pack. It has protein in it, and it's made by CrossFitters, and CrossFitters love it. So we sent it to her. She writes me back a thank you note. Oh. It's the cutest thing, like, you know, all in kid sort of grammar and kid spelling and everything. And she tells me how all the kids, they were gone in like a minute. You know, all the kids were asking, you have the coolest coach. How do I get into that? And, um, so that's like, I, I, you know, I like to spread the word about healthy eating and, um, I can, I can't change how all these kids are going to eat at school or when they're with their friends, but I can at least give them a little bit of education. And so then as they go out into the world where, you know, industry and marketing takes over, they can be hopefully a little more discerning about that. Mm. So it really sounds like it's a constellation of tons of different things and it has a kind of snowball effect i suppose one person gets motivated they post something and they they attack somebody else and um it just sounds like the community aspect is is the central driving force and your sort of passion is coming through quite strongly there as well Rhonda. i can imagine in the middle of a class you're kind of a big driving force to that as well and it seems like you've certainly found your calling there from from we just went we just went to our uh we just went to our 30th college reunion and uh and Oh. tons of people just not not tons but we had a lot a lot of people just coming up saying okay what are you guys doing yeah, what's, the what's, secret? what's going on here <laughs> like what what you know are you doing hgh are you doing testosterone what's going on here so my friend alan um had gained a lot of weight and he was like you know i'm just i'm having i don't even have that much sugar i use splenda all the time so we said 
how about you stop using Splenda? And he texted me a week later. Um, he lost 10 pounds. Yeah. He just gave up Splenda, the artificial sweetener. So um, people really often think they're doing the right thing. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I'm so lucky that I got into a community where I was able to learn how to eat um, from my coaches and be inspired by the people around me. Um, and I, I struggled with my weight for decades. I mean, I used to wake up every day and say, today's the day I'm going to fix it. Today's the day I'm going to, you know, finally make the change. Um, and I have to say at this point, I have finally figured out what really works and what doesn't. And, um, and it was stuff early on when we went to the gym, we were like, yeah, I don't know about we that. We were very um, suspicious. We'd, we'd look into it, we'd see, you know, we'd hear people talk about it and be like, oh. and we just saw results over 10 years. We've just seen first the results. We, first we crossfitted, but we didn't adopt the diet. And um, then after a couple of years, I was like, all right. So what happened was I had plantar fasciitis. Um, so I had this pain in my heel. It was like seven months. It was killing me. And because I'm married to an orthopedic surgeon, I had like the best physical therapist in the world and the best um, like device person. I got this fancy boot thing with the dials and it was got, probably cost 1500 bucks. But, you know, these people are dying to help us out, assuming that we're going to spread the word about their product. Sean injected my heel with steroids a couple of times. Nothing would work. My heel pain just persisted. I was at the store riding the little cart that beeps when you back up. Like I was in the little handicapped car because it was so painful to walk around the store. So I'm telling you, I was, it was there. It was big time. Um, oh, I used that little wheelie thing, uh, the scooter that my friend loaned yeah, me for a long time. Yeah. I was walking the dogs with the scooter. Anyway, um, finally in 2009, I went to the games with uh, friends of mine and um, we all lived in a house. We got a house together. And this one guy, Matt Frankel, who now owns his own gym, he was our chef. And so everybody shopped together and then we all ate our meals together. So I was like, all right, I'm eating paleo because everybody around me is. And within 48 hours of eating paleo, my heel pain was gone. I'm just going to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Seven months of heel pain, 48 hours after going paleo, my heel pain was gone. So there was a time when Sean's aunt um, emailed me and she said, my heel pain's killing me, blah, blah, blah. I said, I know I sound like a crazy quack doctor, but here's what I did. She did it, and her heel pain went away. So clearly there's something that is pro-inflammatory about a typical American diet. And when I was able to take that stuff out, it made a difference. Now, imagine what it's doing to your coronary arteries. If those foods are affecting... Um, now, just as a rule, I don't eat... Um, foods that's made in a factory artificial color flavor sweetener preservatives okay yeah that sounds pretty <laughs> staggering um we're, we're pretty difficult to live with i have to agree <laughs> <laughs> put on that diet coke yeah that's right <laughs> oh goodness so can i um make a potential i don't think it's a controversial comment but uh We've got CrossFit boxes. So I live in the north east of England mm -hmm. uh, in a place called Newcastle. Mm -hmm. We've got a few CrossFit boxes here. But compared to all of the other, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but compared to all of the other gyms, the prices are um, of magnitudes greater. Um, and for obvious reasons, because you get, you, know, you get the coaching and the equipment itself is very expensive and what have you. But I'm sort of just rewinding back to those who come into clinic who are just really struggling um, to even get the motivation to go into a gym, for example, or let alone a CrossFit box, which, as you mentioned, Sean, at the beginning, can be quite maybe intimidating, mm. although coaches do make it a friendly place, but perhaps they don't even get the courage to go in in the first place. You, would there be any things that you would say that those people could could do in the most basic sense um to help themselves well, yeah i mean first of all some of the workouts are online they're all of they're them. free <laughs> i mean all the workouts are free and you just you know so so you could just say okay go online and look at them but you know definitely scale things down so that's number one is that these workouts are all free for anybody um, <laughs> 
What did he say? I see he is. <laughs> oh, he's terrifying. <laughs> um, so the workouts are all available online. The nutrition advice is available online. Yeah. Just, you know, CrossFit.com. All of the movements um, they've done. Actually, Michael Dalton and some of the other cinematographers have done a really great job creating these videos um, that are instructional how to do all the barbell movements. So everything could be done, but you have to be highly motivated to do that on your own. Um, and you're missing out on the community. Um, but anybody can grab a friend or a neighbor and do a workout together. And that's really how I think CrossFit started. People yeah. just started doing these things in their garages. Um, sure. It, it's mm. absolutely, um, desirable, more desirable to have a coach looking at and studying your movement and then figuring out how to transform your movement into a safer, um, technique. So and it's also, available. If, you know, as a doctor, if you, found something that you thought was you know going against your recommendations you know like a gallon of ice cream right before bed <laughs> you know making incremental you're not going to probably get that person to stop cold turkey but making we had a friend you know making incremental changes we had a, a coach who said her mother was drinking 12 pepsi or 12 you know sugary drinks a, a day and she said okay tomorrow could you Good drink effort. 11 and you know just try 11 just go from 12 to 11 and she walked her down over a month. Um, so, and also, um, there are things like, I think it's called Mike's gym. Um, there are some organizations that are doing, um, you know, CrossFit's CrossFit gyms and CrossFit memberships for, uh, people with, you know, low income or it's a great way to get kids off the street. Um, I have a couple of athletes who don't love, football or organized sports for whatever reason, but they're actually really good. They're some of our best CrossFit athletes. Um, so it's just a different, I don't know, a different environment, a different format. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, I think it's honestly, I think it's the answer to all of society's problems. Oh, <laughs> um, I really, I, I, just, <laughs> I mean, on a personal level, you know, it gives you that high and it really helps you, um, set goals and make yourself better on a daily basis on a community basis. It helps with the interaction and the, um, the, uh, the team bonding. Um, and then on a societal basis, I think, well, obviously if we could all be healthier, then we would spend a lot less money, um, treating diseases. So, I mean, you talked about the expense, but, um, I don't know about your health insurance program, but for us, we pay thousands of dollars out of pocket on top of our insurance premiums every time we go to the doctor. And so, you know, I, there was a cute cartoon that said, which fits into your day, uh, better exercising an hour a day or being dead 24 hours a day. <laughs> so <laughs> there are trade-offs, but, um, I'd rather spend my money on health on disease and then on treat treatment of disease. Well, see, we saw, we've seen a cartoon that says like, uh, prescriptions you know there's a huge line of people under the window that says prescriptions and medicines and then dietary and lifestyle changes nobody's there and there's nobody in there nobody in front of that window. yeah that's the whole thing isn't it you just wish you could package all this down into a pill and just be like there you go but um right it's tough to it's tough to do it in a in an office one-on-one -on -one in an office mm, it is yeah and i think what you're saying there under about the different uh, what, how would you call it the funding structures that are in place in the states compared to here i guess that that means that the people don't sort of wince as much when for example if i were to suggest why don't you go and join a gym or do this or do that because people are not paying to go to the gp or whatever but they don't have necessarily the amount of options that you guys do over there so i suppose there's a bit of a disparity there um but with regards to the crossfit games how long have you been doing uh, that for sean i've been doing it since 2012 okay yeah. and are you still going yeah i just got back we just got back uh had a great week great uh one session yeah okay uh, any i know the confidentiality issues and things obviously but um yeah this, was it? this year this year was a very very good year um uh most of the athletes have posted you know their their injuries online, but uh, but this year was really just you know minimal stuff, some ankle sprains, um, and uh, and yeah, so it was uh, 
you know, a, a pretty smooth year. We're happy with it. I think That's they've good. learned. I think they've learned a lot over the years. Um, there was a time where they did the hardest workout ever, Murph, with a twenty-pound weight vest at high noon in California, and so there were a lot of people with you know dehydration and. Um, but so each year, I think it gets safer. And was that the open letter from one of the other doctors uh, to CrossFit HQ? I think that was. I can't remember yeah. the doctor's name. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a different one. Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, what I mean, what does your day look like when you're on staff, and how many guys? Because you're head of ortho within the CrossFit medical yeah, team. So, yeah. So, uh, Mike Ray is the medical director for the games. He's an emergency room doc. He was there in 2008 at Aromas, and uh, he introduced himself to Greg and said, "I'm an emergency room physician, and would you like to have you know? Do you need anybody?" He said, "Yeah." <laughs> so he was out, you know, out in 2008 in Aromas, and he's been doing it ever since. And the team has grown uh, into sort of a, almost like a military-like uh, structure, where it's it's very uh, it's very much military-based and uh, sort of uh, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs. Where it's, the model is sort of it's almost not battleground, but it's you got to get somebody out of that area because. They're going to get more damage if they stay there as opposed to like in our American football, like the game stops, the sports medicine doc trots out onto the field. Everybody stops doing everything they're doing. Like at the CrossFit games, there's weights being thrown, people, you know, people jumping up on, on down. And so the, the real issue is just getting somebody, extracting them off the field safely. And, and it's sort of more like a scoop and carry. And once you get them, you know, off the field, uh, then you can assess, uh, you know, from a, from a, uh, you know, medical point of view or, or safety point of view, but it's, it's, it's nurses, doctors, uh, EMTs, paramedics, um, all working together. Um, we have sort of the sideline people and we have clinical people. Um, you know, so some people, you know, need like, I don't know if you saw the ruck bag, the ruck bag this year, they had, you know, bruises and, and skin issues. And so we have a clinic where people will come by and get skin care. And, you know, we, we had hand issues with blisters and, you know, they get skin care, but then there's also part of the team that's out on the field. If something happens on the field or on the obstacle course and they need to be transported, we have transport vehicles and, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's great. We have our, our own, uh, x-ray fluoro machine also for any fractures that, that, uh, you know, to make sure people aren't, don't have fractures. And uh, so it's, we have our own, it's our own little mini medical unit. That's very cool. Yeah. And you're, you're not tempted to, um, to leave the world of orthopedics and open a, a box and, anytime soon. Oh, she's, uh, she's doing, she's doing well he on her own. He gets his taste of it. She's doing well on her own. You dip your toe every now and again. Yeah. Oh, that's no, but fair enough. You know, the, the, uh, the issue is, you know, there's a lot of these sanctionals coming up and, uh, and, you know, I've, I've always thought, like, could I just go to the sanctionals and be the doctor at all these, you know, all these different events? Uh, yeah, that would be a, that would be unrealistic, uh, <laughs> but, but but fun. Slash <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you guys competing yourselves or uh, just training for yourselves? I swore off competing uh, several years ago after, okay. after being a competitor for a while. And then um, my friend Melinda said, oh. I'm going to do this thing. You want to do it? So I did it and it went very well. And I kind of got a little bug again and then no more competing. And then actually some of my athletes were entering the open and they said, well, aren't you going to do it with us? So I did it. And then, um, I shocked myself, I guess, by advancing to the, uh, age group qualifier. So, okay. you know, in my age group, um, top, what is it? Two, 200 in the world, yeah. uh, advanced to the next so I did that and I kind of got a little bug, you know, and I didn't even tell him, but I hired a private trainer and I was in the gym like three and a half hours a day. What, just work. stealth training the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't have time to pick that up. Uh, yeah, I didn't, get, didn't get the oil <laughs> change. <laughs> Busy um, hammering prosthetics into people. Yeah. So, but it was fun. I mean, I, you know, I didn't qualify for the games. She but, came um, in 86. 86. So it was fun. I had a great time. And then okay. the question is, well, do I do it again next year? I don't know. I don't. I kind of got over that like um, crazed need to do better and stronger, faster. But you know, yeah. I work she, out. She because definitely had that. I had, <laughs> I had the cuckoo crossfit bug. 
um, got over that. I love that I can look and feel my best and I can be an inspiration to my athletes. And of course they're an inspiration to me as well. So I'm in a really good place with it and it kind of doesn't matter whether I do it or not, but I might. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Keep that. Watch this space, I guess. How about any thoughts about the direction of um, CrossFit Launchpad? It's a nice little like setup you have. It's, it looks very cozy. Yeah. I think it looks lovely. Yeah. Do you, would you yeah. want to? I guess it would change the whole feeling of it if you did want to move yeah. out. Yeah, I know. We think back and forth all the time about should we go to a bigger space. And um, the most recent decisions have been, no, we'll just keep it the way it is. Um, it seems to be going well. And there was a time where I had to close um, – closed down for new members uh just to kind of control the size and then we opened up again when the weather got good and we use the outdoor space more um i really like that i can be on a have a personal relationship with every member and if i got into the hundreds i would not be able to do that obviously so um we also have we also have other coaches um we have about six coaches um everyone's part-time except for me and um so they also do a great job you know with the inspirational texts and emails and sharing podcasts and videos and um, instructional videos. So all of us really try to stay very much in touch with our athletes throughout the day and throughout the week. And that's something we can do because we are small. So at the moment, we'll just stay the way we are. Keep it the way it is. That's very cool. Okay. So I'll just, if it's okay, just a couple more sort of shorter questions for you, uh, which just like to ask people in general. So any doesn't have to be, you know, CrossFit or strength training or anything like that, but any books that you at any point of your life have found to be of value that you would recommend to anybody can be any topic. Wow. (laughs) Interesting. I, uh, I got into Keats when I was, uh, in high school and, uh, and then in med school revisited him again because he was a doctor and just the poems that he was writing and talking about how short life is and, uh, you know, to enjoy, you know, life, you know, every day. Um, Sean just read Captain David's daughter's new book. Yeah. And I okay. get, she met, spoiler alert, she mentions him somewhere in there. <laughs> she, she, she put a little story at the end about uh, a great story about a girl who was inspired by Catherine. A young girl. So, yeah. A young girl who Catherine inspired. And so I, I relayed that to Catherine and she, she put it in there. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, that's cool. Nice to get a shout out. <laughs> um, I read a lot of novels, so I can't really say that's going to be terribly helpful to anyone else. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Um, okay. Well, I know that, Sean, you have a bit of a penchant for ancient Greece and Rome. Yeah. Yeah, so doing some there, research here. Doing some research. I just say, you know, a quick look at your bio. Cool. Uh, <laughs> well, is there anything gladiatorial fighting, notwithstanding? Is there anything from <laughs> those two times that you think perhaps we yeah. are missing, or yeah. people could benefit from in this age? Yeah, the the golden age of Pericles. Um, you know, I to have the the full rounded, well rounded. Uh, citizen, uh, you know, sound mind, sound body, uh, participating in their community, uh, you know, um, just sort of the, the golden age of Greece and, and the interest in science and, and civilization and how, you know, this civil, you know, it just always fascinated me how that kind of started the whole Western civilization and, uh, you know, just that whole idea of a well-rounded person being, you know, uh, having sound mind, sound body that, you know, being, being an athlete, but also, uh, being well-versed in, in things of life. Mm. Yeah. Not being single minded or one right. track. Right. Very cool. Well, I guess that's the sort of CrossFit mentality. Just be prepared for anything. Anything. So, yeah. 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 Well, look, I really, really appreciate you both taking the time at your lovely beach house on this day <laughs> to have a chat with me i really do cool where can people you know have you got any thing that you'd like to plug or where can people find you guys um i have a an injury prevention site 321goMD.com and people mm-hmm. if they have an injury can read up about their injury or or read about how maybe to prevent the injury 
but it's uh it's sort of a very orthopedically based thing and uh you know if somebody has a, a chest pec tear they can read about what what that involves what that entails what, and most importantly what's the rehab and and also most importantly how to avoid it um so that's three to one goMd.com my group is orthopedics new england out of boston western suburbs of boston so i Always happy to see any CrossFitters who want to travel uh, and come in and say hi, or you know if they have issues with shoulders or knees, or those are my specialties where people may have not, uh, you know, have a have feel comfortable with their diagnosis. You're going to be inundated with millions of CrossFitters now after this podcast gets released. Hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. Just I've got that kind of reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm at CrossFit Launchpad. Uh, we have a website, CrossFitLaunchpad.com, and we would love to see people when they visit the Boston area. Oh, that would be very cool. Wonderful. Thank cool. you both so much. Cool. Nice talking Thank to you. Thank you.